Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everybody. I'm Kip Marlowe, author of The Entrepreneur's Success and Sacrifice. If you're interested in starting a business, growing your current one, or just need some inspiration, this is the book for you. Learn the secrets of success from entrepreneurs like Arlene Neen, who just started her seventh company at the age of 96. Order it at ecrsuccess.com or at Amazon and learn 22 stories of ordinary people who became wildly successful. It could change your life. This is The Risk Takers from Entrepreneurs Club Radio. Pet insurance? Are you kidding me? Those are comments that Laura Bennett received time and time again when co-founding her company, Embrace Pet Insurance. And for the first few years, she thought maybe those people were right. It took several years for her to start selling her product, and she relied on her husband for seed capital. In fact, she started to call him her corporate sponsor. Even when things didn't go as planned, as happens to most entrepreneurial ventures, she thought the time had come to make it happen. Then things started to change. The business started to get off the ground and now embraces the most dominant pet insurance company in America. Funny how those things happen if you believe in your idea. Her secret to success? Never let fear stop you from moving ahead. Laura was scared of the unknown, but she still pushed on. Will you? Welcome to the world famous Jiggy Jaguar radio program. Broadcasting live from Hutchinson, Kansas. Well, I'm sitting here with a linguist. I had a linguist. No idea. <laughs> I, love I didn't that. know you were, but I didn't know that you were a wordsmith. <laughs> Call Jiggy right now. 267 22 Jiggy. Hey, Jiggy, what's happening, man? It must be that uh, David Bowie song. Jiggy play guitar. Jeff. It's a great name, man. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Presenting. I'm, I'm Mike Massey. I'm, uh, you know, you can catch me on Jiggy Jag TV and uh, see a few of my tricks up there. Thank you very much. Jiggy Jaguar. I never knew what freedom was until I saw you lose yours. Welcome to a special edition of the world famous Jiggy Jaguar radio program, coast to coast and border to border on iHeartRadio today. Tune in, iTunes, Radio Loyalty, Stitcher, and of course, the brand new Jiggy Jaguar app available in the App Store, JiggyJaguar.us. You can stream the show live, 24-7 replay, exclusive news and programming information. You can also watch live video right now as we are live from the studio We've got a guest coming up here in just a few moments. He's going to be part of a big show Monday night at the Rusty Needle, which is this evening. And uh, we'll talk to him here in just a few moments. Also, thanks to our friends and folks that are listening to us on 50-plus AM FM stations across the country and around the world. iHeartRadio, as I mentioned. And a quick little update. Uh, We're going to be doing our Live from Salina uh, television show on the 20th of October, and I spoke with, I want to make sure I get this guy's name right, 
He's going to get on a plane and fly here, which is amazing. Uh, we're <laughs> we we are. Uh, it's going to be our political show uh, be, be due to the fact that we'll be about two weeks away from the uh, from the election. Uh, and Eric Paul Lee is going to be with us. He is the uh, commissioner, uh, the executive director of the Free Speech Coalition, which. Uh, he will be on Access TV with us on the uh, third Thursday of this month. And that will be fun because uh, if anybody knows anything about our our friends and f- fans over there at uh, Access TV, we've had a lot of issues with freedom of speech in previous administrations over there. So it should be, it should be fun. Uh, Eric Paul Lee will be with us. Uh, here in a couple weeks. And uh, this week also on our program, we're going to be talking with a bunch of different people throughout the week. We have posted our Sunday radio program stuff over there at kjagradio.com. We have our two interviews, the one that we did with uh, the 288 podcast, the uh, hosts Draven Starr and Matt Slayer, from the uh, from the porn industry, talking about the vote no on sixty out in California, and then we also talked with the adult advocacy group. I want to make sure I get that right. Uh, they they are they are basically uh, advocating that everybody vote no on sixty because uh, it's essentially legalizing pervs. That's essentially what we're doing. We're 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 gonna we're gonna give anybody and their brother the right to sue the porn industry for anything at all. And uh, then you can get their addresses and their names and all sorts of things, so we can get we can basically have legalized porn stalking, which will be all sorts of fun if uh, <laughs> if that becomes a law out in California. But uh, today on our broadcast, we've got Mr. Matt Wall with us. How are you, sir? I am good, sir. Now uh, there is a. a You've had a you've had an interesting trip into Kansas. You hit a skunk. I ran over a skunk. You ran over a skunk on the way here, which is uh, never good. Uh, what else have you done? Um, I smelt the skunk the whole way here. On top of that, but uh, I was in uh, Salt Lake City, um, and I got to do what I, I sang karaoke, which was weird. I haven't done that in like. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I Colorado Springs yesterday, and I was supposed to go to Sioux Falls today, and that fell through, and now I'm here because stuff works out. Is there a profanity? No, you can say whatever the hell you want, because the stations that carry us live, if they have an issue with it, they will dump out and come back later. And the people that don't have an issue with it, they don't have an issue with it. Hell, you just you just heard. I, I talked to porn stars yesterday on this show. I I don't think the profanity thing is going to be a problem. <laughs> uh, so it uh, it it was. Uh, you're also a pro wrestling fan, I understand, and we'll be talking about uh, we'll be talking about some some pro wrestling a little bit later on. I'll have to find out if you're down with Broken Matt Hardy. Uh, in this whole TNA thing that's been going on, or if you're just a, a, a WWE fan and that's all you are, 
Well, we'll find out though. We'll, we'll keep you hanging. Uh, <laughs> with, uh, you know, because uh, uh, cousin Chris, who used to be uh, on Jiggy Jag TV, and then he was on this. Uh, he was on a radio show for uh, off and on for for back and forth. Um, he he said there's two kinds of professional wrestling fans. There's WWE fans, and then there's professional wrestling fans. Professional wrestling fans are the people who who watch New Japan Pro Wrestling and Ring of Honor and and JCW. Although he doesn't consider JCW a wrestling organization, but uh, there's a lot of stipulations in this. <laughs> it's 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 a it's like I said it's it's a weird it's a weird place that 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 you're here. Uh, uh, we're going to be chatting about wrestling today as well. Now, um, how did you get started doing this music thing? How how, how did that come about for you? Um, I've been doing this uh, ever since I was like fourteen ish. But um, and then I was doing acoustic stuff, and then it was really dark, so uh, <laughs> I got kind of pushed into a band, and so for like fifteen years, I was in this like punk band called Creeperson. Yes. And I was. Stage name and I Creep Creeperson. Yeah, that's so awesome. Were there were there T-shirts? Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. But I uh, made movies and um, did a bunch of that stuff under that name, and then I just got tired of depending on other people for everything. Yes, it was filmmaking in a band, whatever. That's part of the reason why why we built this studio is because we got tired of relying yeah. on other people. It's just, uh, <laughs> people let you down. So I just kind of got tired of being this other person for years. Yeah. And just wanted to kind of go back to being me because I had never been me before. That's so awesome. It's kind of a, yeah, fun thing. So uh, you're, you're, you're out on the road. Yeah. Uh, tell me a little bit about, uh, besides the skunk and singing air supply at karaoke. Uh, what's been some of your other adventures you've been on? Um, honestly, the biggest adventure for me this time has been, this is the first time I've been on the road this, I mean, I'm from Southern California. Yeah. This is the first time I've been on the road by myself for more than like a weekend. Wow. It's just like, I've been having a lot of time to just sit and think, because I don't get that a lot. Yeah. So it's like. Uh, this is like the most boring road story ever, but the isolation has <laughs> been amazing. I did think some guy was going to shoot me at a gas station um, because it was just really far off the freeway and there were all these little painted signs that kept telling me to turn. It's like gas. And I kept going and going and going and going. Um, and I thought for sure I was going to die. And that's just because I have a constant dread. Well, you know, it it you, you you haven't you haven't died yet. Yeah. You're you're <laughs> you're you're going to be out at the Rusty Needle this evening. Uh this this is going to be a hell of a deal. Uh what 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 kind of things can we expect from this evening? Oh, it's uh just if you like and this is another topic to talk about, but I it's just really dark 
America. You know, it's like what I don't want to start getting on a high horse and everything, but just like traditional country music was dark. It was scary. It had a lot of um, I don't want to say evil, but there was like a lot of badness around it. You know, because yes. Not then. not not so much negativity. Yeah, just. yeah. It's just that people wanted to. I mean, with the Great Depression and everything, like people wanted to hear about people who were worse off than them, kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? So okay. It's like the whole like like why people watch Jerry Springer and stuff like that. <laughs> it seems like now people are more interested in relating to country music. So it's like I drink Pabst Blue Ribbon out of a can and I got a truck. I was like, yeah! That's my music! That's my kind of music. I don't want to relate. I want to, like, feel, you know? It's like, uh, You want to just be there. Yeah. Kind of thing. I don't want to be complacent with someone marketing to me through a pop country song without me knowing it kind of thing. Like, there's stories, and they're dark, so it'll be kind of grim. But I'm kind of promoting this, like, 31 Days of Halloween thing I'm doing right now too. I'm releasing a new song every day. That's cool. That's really cool. And they're all like kind of horror Halloween themed kind of thing. That's pretty neat. So uh, uh, people can get those through your website I'm assuming? Oh yeah. Or um, uh, my band camp. But yeah, if you just go to IHateMattWall.com IHateMattWall.com That's on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. So, uh, so, so you've, you've, you've got that, uh, now some of the, some of these songs, uh, how, how, how long have you been doing this? When, 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 when did you decide, Hey, I'm going to start releasing a song every day. Oh, uh, on the first. That's cool. Um, so it's just like the first through the 31st for the Halloween thing. And then at the end I'll put them all together, but the individual singles, some of them are going to have more than others, but. So, but I mean, I've been doing this. A lot of the songs I'm still playing are songs I wrote like in '98. Yeah. So, I've been coming in and out of the acoustic thing for very many years. How how do people uh, respond to your acoustic stuff? Is it do they do they like that better than the full Magilla, or is it's it so hard to tell? Because like, ever since I was like 18, I wanted to. That's cool. Country, like, establishment, I guess. Whenever I would go to the country clubs in, like, Southern California, like, yeah, you're really too gothy, too dark, like. And then I would go to, like, a goth club, and, like, yeah, you're way too country, like, this is not going to work. So, (laughs) this is not going to work. But, like, when I do the Creepers and stuff, it's very accessible. It's like, oh, it's like the Misfits or the Ramones. That makes a lot of sense. But then I don't want to be. The other misfits, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. You don't, you don't want to, you don't want to. I want to be the first yeah. me, not the nineteenth that guy. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're right. I don't want to be the nineteenth that guy. Like That's the, perfect. There was this uh, folk society thing in Pasadena, and yeah, puts shows on a lot, and so I wanted to get in on that. And the guy's just like, "You're just way. It's just." Really 
<laughs> wow, really? Put it on my website. I'm sure he doesn't want that up there. But like, because he wasn't paying me a compliment, but I was like, oh, that's a very nice compliment from a very respected man in this. <laughs> so, yeah. I I had a. Uh... And, and it, it, it's funny that, that you bring up the thing of he, he gave you that and you ran with it. Yeah. It wasn't a compliment. I had a uh, a friend of mine fairly recently, a guy that I lift weights with. He uh, he's he goes in and out of being shape. <laughs> I don't know what the deal is, but uh, but he walked into a uh, convenience store one time and he's the, the guy's like I don't know almost seven feet tall, but he is so. Terribly out of shape. It's 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 ridiculous. And he bumped into some some guy was was leaving, and the guy goes, "Wow, you're kind of a big guy." And he goes, "Well, well, thank you." And he goes, "It wasn't a compliment." Kept walking. But this dude tells the story all the time. It he didn't care. It wasn't a compliment. Like you're kind of. <laughs> <laughs> so so that old thing of of, of you saying, "Yeah, he, uh, he said something," but it really wasn't much of a compliment. But I'm, I'm glad you're running with it. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it's kind of like what. I mean, I'm sure people said that about the Carter family, but then they would like, <laughs> do like a gospel song. At the end. Like, oh, okay, I guess that works. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Matt Wall with us today here on our world famous Jiggy Jaguar Radio Program, coast to coast, to border to border, on TuneIn, iTunes, Radio Loyalty, Stitcher, and of course the brand new Jiggy Jaguar app available in the App Store. JiggyJaguar.us. You can stream the show live, 24-7 replay, exclusive news and programming information. Also, download our. you can listen to our podcast, to our social media, everything inside of the app. So you have no reason uh, to, to even leave our app unless you are done corresponding with the show, obviously. Now, uh, Matt Wall is with us today. He's going to be part of a big show at the Rusty Needle this evening. Now, what do you have for us first here, my friend? This is River of Lost Souls. It's like my go-to opener. It's about a threesome that went horribly wrong. It's like, it's like <laughs> okay. A murder ballad about a awful. Well, you know, you're 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 in the you're in the right town because they do love their swinging here. Oh, so sick. so threesomes are uh, <laughs> that, that 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 that's definitely one that would get over with the crowd. That's good. <laughs> so I'll leave you to it. The rain will just you face. So my hateful feelings and most pace. And the sun shines on a brand new day. So my evil feelings go away. Go away. In the blood it flows Trickling to my toes From my death blowing Which I'm bestowed Upon the skulls of the girls Who didn't do what they were told 
from their shattered bones and they lost their glow when I lost control the bodies I disposed down on the river lost so Just you fast. So my hate feeds and most pass. And redemption is a phony thing. With a guilt before it burns and stings. And it stings. In the blowing flows, trickling to my toes, from my death blow in which I bestow upon those skulls of the girls who didn't do what they were pretty amazing my friend Thank you, sir. you uh that's a hell of a voice i'll have to say i didn't expect that voice to come out of that guy out of this guy yes it's amazing he talks like a funny guy <laughs> <laughs> it's matt wald he's with us today here on the world famous cheeky Chigwar radio program coast to coast and border to border on tune in iTunes, Radio Loyalty, Stitcher, and he's going to be part of a big show tonight here at the Rusty Needle Sports Bar in Hutchinson, Kansas, and uh, he's joining us today for a little bit of time to chat about music, and then, of course, also we're going to chat pro wrestling here in a few as well, and uh, you're, you've been going up and down the highways and the byways. What, what's been some of the interesting things you've ran into along the way? Because um, you've been to Utah and all sorts yeah, of places. Utah's really weird. Um, I don't know if you've been to Utah, but their uh, their highway signs, it's a beehive. And their <laughs> cops have, like, beehives on their cars. And it was really, like, I just didn't get it. And so I was asking about it. And they're like, yeah, you know, because, like, like worker bees work really hard and just, like, mindlessly do everything for the community for the greater good. I was like, wow. <laughs> That's kind of like one of those, you know, your children belong to the like state. They I, don't belong to yeah, your parents kind of thing. So wow. Evil or Silent Hill or just something like that. 
bad. It was just weird. Um, yeah, that's... But Utah's actually beautiful. Like, I wasn't expecting... Like, you know how everywhere you go, when you see, like, the... Just, like, the weeds and the grass and the yes. green, and it's all, like, kind of like a gold color? There it's, like, like pure blonde, like baby blonde, and it's just, like, ridiculous for as far as you can see when it's there. It's just, like, just little things like that were kind of cool. Um, the Uber drivers take you to drive-thrus when you're drunk, so that was cool. That was a fun little <laughs> the Uber uh, drivers. Colorado. Oh, Wyoming. There's absolutely nothing in Wyoming. Like from, <laughs> I felt that way about New Mexico when we went oh, out yeah, to New Vegas. Mexico's bad too. New Mexico, I mean, you drive through there and you're like, what is their industry? What is going on here? Because all the houses look like trash. It's like, what are you it's just going like, on here? Like, you never know how far a long drive is. Like, I, like going from Oklahoma to Phoenix, Oklahoma City to Phoenix is one of the most, like, <laughs> like you have no idea how to keep time. Like, <laughs> you have no idea how to keep time. It's, there's just nothing there. It's just forever nothing. So it's That's kind of awesome. Good, good times. <laughs> Matt Wall with us today. He's going to be part of a big show with Rusty Needle this evening, Monday night. If you're listening to us live on a replay, uh, you'll have to just check out Matt Wall's uh, website, IHateMattWall.com. Yes, you do. Uh, and uh, when we go over there, what, 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 what do you have available for people? Oh, um, I got uh, the new, like the last new Matt Wall CD. And stuff, CDs and vinyl, and um, the solo Creep Creepers and stuff I did, which is kind of what I'm still playing. Um, but also, I hate Matt Wall shirts, I hate Matt Wall wristbands, I hate Matt Wall pins, I hate Matt Wall stickers, um, all sorts of stuff. And if it's time for my mailing list, I'll give you a bunch of stuff because that's just a nice thing to do when people hate you. <laughs> <laughs> you got to give them stuff. That's how that works. It is the fabulous Matt Wall. He's with us today here on our broadcast, and uh, he joins us live, coast-to-coast, border-to-border, and 50-plus uh, AM FM stations across the country and around the world today. And uh, later on this week, we will talk with uh, Jeffrey Stevens, I believe. He will be on our uh, Tuesday edition with uh, Don Mazzella, Dan Perkins, and IQ Al Rizzoli. And, of course, uh, lots of other stuff going on this week as well. Now, uh, besides the music thing, what, what what are some of your other interests that you do? Um, let's see here. Uh, I really like collecting the little pink muscle men from the 80s, like the the uh are, are are you talking about the god what the hell were they they uh cuz i had a whole bunch of those millions of and i had the uh i had like the uh i don't know if it was the the wrestling ring or whatever i had the wrestling ring whole thing yeah and then they had an offshoot that same company made monsters yeah and they had the ma- they had the mountain 
that you could hang on the wall with all the little monsters in it. I had that. That's awesome. So you collect the, the, the little monster guys. That's the awesome. Pink wrestler guys. And yes. They're all, they're all like based off like Terry Funk and Ric Flair. <laughs> so that's kind of cool. But, um, so I like those. I like um, 1940s through 60s detective old novels. So I find those and snatch them up whenever I can find them. I'm really into Carter Brown right now. I'm liking that a lot. Well, hey, while you're here, while you're here in Hutch. You might want to take advantage. There is uh, uh, there is uh, Hastings, the, the the company Hastings, of course, is closing all their stores all over the country. And we have a Hastings here up on 30th, and they are getting rid of all their books at like 80% off. So if you're, <laughs> you're a, you're a big reading fan, you might want to... <laughs> you were think are you thinking of the muscle guys from the 80s? Yeah. Okay, because that's what I was thinking, because I was like, I know what they're called, so I had to Google it. I can't remember exactly. I think there was like 180 made for the U.S. market, but in Japan, they were called uh, Kamuki Men, and they were made out of erasers, like rubber erasers. Yeah. And there were like hundreds upon hundreds, and they're from this manga that was in um, Showin Jump or whatever. Yeah. And so I started touring all the mangas from like the 70s through the 80s to follow their little adventures of wrestling throughout the galaxy. It's yes. amazing. Yes, so the, 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 the muscle guys. I had a whole bunch of those. Had the ring. You could, you could put them on the deal and you could do the back and forth. And, yeah. and if you put the claw hand in there, you want it to come out. So you just win all the time. Yeah. You couldn't knock them out. Or you just <laughs> Loved He Man, yeah. uh, I, I, and and and, and I know a lot of people will will. I'm sure I'm sure a lot of people that that are listening are going are going to uh, gonna hammer me for this, but I like the He Man movie. Oh, with Dolph Lundgren. With Dolph Lundgren, it's, and that and the guy who played Skeletor, I've always said every every other every other sci-fi like Darth Vader and all them, they're all pussies compared to that Skeletor guy. Yeah, that Skeletor was hardcore. <laughs> you have like a little. Um, I've I've got uh, actually that's just a treasure troll, but know, but but I do around. but but I will have to say, uh, Gildor, uh, that because I I've, I've recently my my fiance loves Netflix. She's all about Netflix. Who doesn't? I I I I have gotten on Netflix and I'm like I can't find any of the things that I would normally watch on Netflix. The He Man movie was not on there. Uh, Dark Man was not on there. The movie, in my opinion, that made Liam Neeson's career. Uh, <laughs> the uh, uh, Hardcastle McCormick from the eighties not on there. And I'm like, have, what's this Netflix? It's worthless to me. I have Hulu because I watch a lot of British stuff too. But uh, I went and watched all of Hunter again, and it's amazing. As, an adult, as a kid, I was like, whatever. But as an adult, damn, Fred Dreyer, he could. <laughs> So so when so when the He Man movie came on Netflix, I, I had to make her watch it, and and I, I I'll tell you, just the fact that they made some of those characters for that movie just exclusively for that movie. They didn't pull hardly any of the characters from the actual He Man universe well, you know into the movie. Wait, no, that's the second. How that? 
Because you know how Masters of the Universe 2 ended up becoming Cyborg or Jean-Claude. Oh, really? Because the first one tanked so bad. They're like, we need to scrap all of this and put someone else in it. But, um, yeah, so if you watch Cyborg right after you watch Masters of the Universe, you'll kind of get like a, a continuation I'm gonna have to do that. I'm gonna have to do that. And then, and then, and then, years later, of course, they were in Universal Soldier. And then, of course, there was Un- I always loved you. Black back when 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 Blockbuster was around. I always thought it was so funny because you had Universal Soldier, then you had Universal Soldier Two, which was the one that didn't have Van Damme in it. And then they came back and made another Universal Soldier 2 with Van Damme, Dolph Lundgren, and Goldberg. <laughs> and it's What's like... Is it just called 2? Yeah, it's just Universal Soldier 2, The Return. And I always thought it would be hilarious to get inside the mind of a blockbuster clerk because he's going over to stock these movies and he's like, how do I line these up? <laughs> because realistically, Universal Soldier 2 was number 2. Yeah. But in chronological order, number two was the one with Goldberg. <laughs> so it's like so ridiculous. It's it's a hell of a deal. Yeah, I used to. I was an assistant manager at a Blockbuster, and I realized that people who work at Blockbuster actually have no concept of movies or anything. Yeah, they just know where the boxes are. On yep. The so there still is uh, apparently. According to uh, some reports when the Olympics were going on in, in, in Brazil, besides all the weird things that were going on down there, they still have blockbusters in Brazil. With VHS. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, it's like a whole other world, brother. <laughs> Especially with all the fun tranny stuff that goes on down there, too. <laughs> <laughs> yes! All the T-Girls, Dolls with Balls, whatever you want to call them. Hey, I'll tell you, when we went to the Adult Video News Awards in Vegas, they were the nicest, most friendly folks. They helped us with hooking up interviews. They introduced me to people that I didn't didn't know. Transsexuals are fantastic. That's going to get taken and, and sent somewhere, but uh, that's going to get isolated and put somewhere. Hey, let's use that as a quote for the website. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Transsexuals are fantastic. I always used to tell everybody that uh, that that my goal in life was to date a transsexual, and they'd be like, "What? You're gay? No, I'm not gay. I just want to hang out with transsexuals. I just there's enough rumors about me anyway floating around. I might as well contribute to the uh, <laughs> contribute to the rumor. <laughs> you, you control the story. So <laughs> That's right. That. That's right. Yeah. Now, uh, what, what do you have next for us as far as uh, um, tunage is concerned? Well, since we're talking about <laughs> T-Girls... Um, <laughs> oh, do you have a T-Girl song? No, this is about... No, this is just a song about cheating. Okay. Because so, I was, I was thinking... I was thinking, here there. we go. We're yeah, just... Yeah. I'm just, like, setting you up to bat. We're just... <laughs> I'm like, you're like, well, speaking of T-Girls, uh, I got this next song we can do. I'm like, okay, well, uh, let's go yeah, for this it. this is on... Uh, Songs for the Dead album. But, uh, yeah, so. Live to ream the cold. And live to ream the snow. 
Fantastic. Bam, chick, take that. You're in a hole. That's what the guy would say if he was into giving himself props as he commits a crime. Well, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. We've learned a heck of a lot today. Yeah. Uh, so far on our broadcast. Weeners. Uh, we've learned we've learned about uh, movies. We've learned about uh, the fact that we, we, we have in common we like E Man. Uh, <laughs> some of the other things going on tonight. Matt Wall, the Rusty Needle in Hutchinson, Kansas, live as live can get. Boom shakalaka. That's right. 
So an NBA Jam reference makes it into the show. Yeah. <laughs> Boom goes the dynamite. That's right. Boom goes the dynamite. Now, now uh, besides some of the other things that, that you're involved with, who are some of your musical heroes and influences? Okay. I guess, but um, like Waylon Jennings, Hank Williams, The Misfits. Uh, Did you see The Misfits recently had a reunion? Yeah, and I hope they do an actual tour and not just two shows. bit of everything yeah. now uh matt wall with us today check out i hate matt that is the official website of record and uh live with us today 38 minutes after the hour thanks for joining us 39 minutes after the hour uh, thanks for joining us here on our world famous cheeky jaguar radio program now um when when you sit down and write your music, do you do you tend to write while you're out on the road, or do you do that when you're off tour? How does that whole process um, work for you? It depends. Like with Creeperson, we did a U.S. tour in 2011, and I wrote an album while we were in the like RV, and we like recorded all the rough stuff while we were on the road. But then other times it just happens, and a lot of times I'll have like a concept for an album. All the writing for that album will be done within a very short period of time. And then uh, it's very rare that I'll sit down and just like write a song and then not do anything for a while. So um, I did write a song this morning. So I'm excited about that. Well, that's cool. So, So you are out there making it happen and... Getting things going. Kicking booty and taking names. <laughs> so they say. 
Matt Wall with us today here in our broadcast, 13 minutes after the hour. And uh, so let's let's get into the professional wrestling talk. Boom. <laughs> let's let's jump just, off the I'm good foot and do the bad like thing. Two seconds. Who are the writers at WWE right now? Like how? I I couldn't tell you. I know they're a bunch of Hollywood people. Stupid. Can you possibly be? Like I don't understand. Like just little things, like little tiny things. Like the last two pay per views since the brand split Tough. have been like utter. Like the first one, that SmackDown one, that was so freaking hard to. Watch. Oh yeah. Like I was so okay. Let me just let you guys in on a little something here. <laughs> if you have hometown boys in the opening freaking match to set the tone for the pay per view. They're supposed to win, especially if they're faces, because it gets the crowd excited and makes everybody excited to sit through the next four fucking hours of <laughs> bullshit matches you're going to show us. That doesn't make any fucking sense. I've never understood why they do that. And Vince McMahon hates hometown people. Yes. And he's a freaking prick for that. <laughs> and I don't understand. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna lose in your hometown, you're gonna be humiliated in your hometown, all that. He he doesn't understand the uh, makes me it makes me angry. That's it, just that's just one of the small things. <laughs> one of the small things. Why have they not pushed Dolph Ziggler? Like why He's getting ready to head out the door. Yeah, he, but, he's he's done like this little last hurrah where it's like, hey, we want you to like be a big part of this by losing every fucking pay per view match. That's right. So um, it's going to be awesome. A, a lot of a lot of his a lot of his issues have come because early on he 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 uh, he criticized old Johnny Boy, old Johnny Boy Cena. Yeah. And you can't. Cesaro did the same thing. <laughs> That's why exactly. Too. Hey, guess what? We're going to have a best of seven thing, and when that doesn't work out, to find the number one contender because. This brand split has actually made us like not have any talent. Um, we're gonna make you guys be a tag team. It worked for Kane and Daniel Bryan. Let's just recycle shit again. And I can't believe they're well. And Cesaro's contracts, I hear, is getting ready to be up too. So he's getting ready to leave too. Yeah, everybody's out the door. So Cody's left. He can't uh, be Cody Rhodes, but he, he's Cody. Although, although the thing that they've done with the thing they did with TNA, I think is hilarious because he can't be Cody Rhodes, so they just go Cody and Brandy Rhodes, <laughs> as Brandy can be Brandy Rhodes, Cody can't be. <laughs> TNA makes me sad a lot. Um, I thought I thought Bobby Roode was one of the most talented guys they had. There yes. Time. Do you remember when? Your money first broke up, and he had that title run. Yep, that was like seriously the most entertaining TNA was for me. Like, and I think I was excited about Aces and Eights or whatever until until they took the masks off. Yeah, and it was just it was knocks at a bunch of guys from, and it took like forever to get that. Yeah, I don't know, but like, um, yeah, Bobby Bobby Roode when and 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 the thing. The thing that I've always, you know, about Bobby Roode is that at one point when Bobby Roode was a face, they really should have pulled the trigger and given him the belt. But I've read on various websites that the reason they didn't is because he got a bigger pop than Hogan at one of the pay-per-views. 
See, and Hogan was like, he's not ready, brother. Hey, guess what, brother? <laughs> so hey, he didn't. Why can't we get Roman Reigns over? I don't understand what's going on here. <laughs> well, let's see. If we turn him heel like we did with The Rock when everyone hated The Rock, maybe people will like him a little bit. Maybe people will get behind him. You know what we should do? Not do that. Let's, um, <laughs> let's shove him down people's throats a little bit more and see how that works. It's the most ridiculous thing in the world. He's 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 got the U.S. title now, so now he's yeah. the he he's he's slowly but surely getting into the uh, the old WCW Lex Luger spot where Luger always had the U.S. title. Oh. And, <laughs> and the fans are so fickle. This is what I don't understand. When you would go to a wrestling show, no matter who it was, the fans cheered for the faces and booed the heels because that's what they were supposed to do. That's right. It's and like it was, it's like dinner theater. You're exactly. supposed to boo the heels and like, cheer the belly. I don't understand. Like, the last show I went to, like, Big Show got a huge pop. And I was, like, looking around going, like, is this happening? Is like, Are people, like, excited to see Big Show right now? Oh, my God. Everyone's really excited to be see Big Show. And it, like, totally, like, I'm like, that is what they're supposed to do. And it's just this, ever since the whole Daniel Bryan, I think Daniel Bryan did more to hurt wrestling than to save it. I'm going to yeah. go out on a limb and say something controversial here. Hey, I was, uh, as, as far as the whole Daniel Bryan thing goes, I, I just, I never could get, really behind the whole Daniel Bryan thing because I was never a big Daniel Bryan guy. But everybody and their brother is, oh my God, it's the greatest thing in the world. The only reason he got his push is because Punk left. That's it. (laughs) Punk told Vince, see ya, I'm leaving, I'm going to go try my hand at this UFC stuff. That worked out well. Oh, Jesus. But, uh... (laughs) Daniel Bryan, I like him wrestling, but um, I think if you're going to hold a belt, you need to be able to hold a mic yeah. And Daniel Bryan, for the longest time on the microphone, was like the most painful thing. Yeah, he like, couldn't cut a promo. Like, like the head face of the company. He's like, hey, everybody, I'm going to say things now. Like, was like, God, so painful. Well, and, and the thing with Daniel Bryan is they, they did not want to push him. Yeah. They did not want to put him over. And then when they had the opportunity for him to be injured, and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, he's got neck problems. <laughs> and it's like, no one would clear him to let him come back. He's got some sort of long-term contract, and the thing that has happened fairly recently is that when he was injured, they froze his contract. So it's not like it's ever going to, you know, it's not like it could have run out, yeah. and he could have left. So... And then that's the other He's kind of stuck there like, until with, they figure it out. With him and Shane. Like, they're like, it's not about the authority people. It's about the wrestlers. So every two seconds, Shane's going to come out. And Daniel Bryan's going to come out. Okay, it's not about us. It's about these guys over here. The talent. The talent, damn it. Okay, do I look. Am I on the camera? Okay. They're on all the freaking time. And it's like. And that's the other thing I hate about WWE. We can talk about other promotions. Too. <laughs> the thing about WWE that makes me so mad is that they assume the fans are so fucking stupid and they won't remember something that happened like three weeks ago. Oh, yes. Like, yes. Oh, oh, okay. 
this is going on now. This is a thing. Like, yeah, nobody's absolutely. nobody's supposed to remember any of the any any of the, uh, the any of the old stuff. Everything. Yeah, it's like so. <laughs> oh my god, it's so stupid. I don't even like. Oh, makes me so mad. I get mad. Like I can't remember what pay per view it was, but I couldn't sleep. <laughs> after SummerSlam, I was just like, "How did that happen? Like, what? What's was it SummerSlam? I don't know. There was a really." SummerSlam just getting went on and on and on, much like WrestleMania, on and on and on and on. I mean, just like these last two, it's like, hey, we're gonna like not have as much talent, so we're gonna put, oh, we're gonna put Kevin Owens in like an hour long match because he's totally in shape for it. Hey, Kevin Owens, can you do us a favor, drop Seth on his neck and his arm at the same time and try to like cripple him because you're too fucking tired. Oh, but by the way, I need you to jump up on the top rope and do some stupid trick. Oh, Kevin <laughs> did you, you to do really some stupid hair. trick? That's awesome. You should you should do headbutts because people with short hair could sell headbutts really good. That's like one of my like staples. If you don't have long hair, you do not headbutt because you look like a freaking idiot. <laughs> That's why wrestlers have long greasy hair to hide bad punches and hide bad headbutts. Gosh, if everyone could sell like Dolph and Seth. The world would be a better place. <laughs> the world would be a better place. That's right. Uh, I'm now, sorry. uh, no, that's fine. That's fine. What that? That's what we like here. We've got Matt Wall with Not us bad. today. Uh, if you're just joining us, he will be at the Rusty Needle this evening. Oh yeah, I'm a musician, and he's a musician. <laughs> but uh, and look at that. We've got people at the door. Apparently, what is going on here? Oh, gosh. Uh oh. I have no fuel, brother. I don't have any way to get him there. I got no way to get him there. I'm doing a radio show, actually, right now. Yep. Hi, brother. Have yourself a wonderful day. Well, we'll uh, we'll do some drumming. And I got Jesus. Here we go. This is something I forgot to explain to Matt Wall earlier. Okay, that's a, that's enough. That's something else I forgot to explain to you because I didn't think we would have those issues. We have a thing on our Sunday radio program called the Open Door Policy. And the Open Door Policy is anybody at any time can come through that door if we're doing a radio show and they can just... I've had things like that. I've had things like we had we had a woman at one point who lived in this area, who uh, she basically would uh, just randomly show up over here and she'd co-host the show with us on Sundays. It was the weirdest thing. It uh, when when I when I first moved in, not into this spot, but into the Swiss Army apartment over there, um, we had a bunch of rappers show up one time, and we had a, apparently there was a guy that was upstairs who was a racist, who threw eggs at them. <laughs> it just this—it's just the way things are here, brother. Now this is going to sound awful. But if you're Go gonna, ahead. If you're going to attack somebody and hope that nothing bad happens to you, you need to use something lethal. So. They don't come back and hurt you. 
So throwing an egg at somebody is just going to agitate the situation. <laughs> I don't know why people don't get that. I don't know why they don't get it either. Well, I, I, I apologize for that for that minor interruption. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> we are live. <laughs> It's a hell of a deal. Now, uh, we were talking wrestling, which is kind of, in a way... Just like this. We have, currently in the state of Kansas, some active wrestling promotions. Professional wrestling promotions. We have one that uh, we do a lot of work with called uh, TAZ. It's called Total Action Wrestling. And they are booked sort of similar to like an old school, like Memphis type. You know, they like their last show, they had Angel Medina, who used to be in the Baldies in ECW. He was there because he lives in Wichita. And uh, <laughs> he was there. And they were booking him, you know, like a big, uh, a big heel. You know, and they're and they're going to start having people come in randomly, and and face him. Like Trevor Murdoch's going to be at this show coming up this weekend, and then they're going to start cycling people in, and who's going to take on Angel type of thing. Yeah. And then we have a uh, yes type yeah. of thing. Yes. Then, um, ironically, Adam Pena and Mike Clares, who are at the Rusty Needle, ironically where you're playing this evening, they have a wrestling promotion. Called uh, Resist, I think it's Resistance Wrestling Federation (RWE), and they do a lot of their shows out of Newton, Kansas, and it's booked. They 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 bring in various. Here we go, more interruptions. Who is this? We'll see who this is. You're live on the air, Marshall. What's up, sir? How are you, sir? Are you in Hutchinson, Kansas? Okay, well, why don't you just swing on by the, uh, the the radio studio? I am sitting here interviewing Matt Wall, and uh, we will just talk to you when we see you here in a few moments. Okay, I don't, I don't uh, know where the studio is at. Okay, uh, where you dropped me off the last time. Over on A Street. A Street? Over on A Street, across from the Zip Trip. I will just see you here in a few moments. Okay, it, it'll probably be about 20 minutes. <laughs> That's fine. I'll just see you here in about 20 minutes. Okay, thanks. Okay, appreciate it, brother. <laughs> That's an Elvis impersonator, by the way. Oh, nice. <laughs> he isn't... <laughs> you just run into it all today. Oh, my God. You 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 could probably get a shot at talk to Pena. I want to do. I want to be a manager. Talk to Pena. They'd have you manage. That'd be awesome. <laughs> they like, they they'd even do a deal, and and we'll figure this out. Where you come in, manage at the show, and then we'll do an after party at a local bar, and you can play. Nice. That'd be awesome. I was. I, was, I, was, I tried to start my own thing. 
I was trying to do like They have some strange stuff. things going on out there because yeah. there's this thing I've been reading about, I think it's Los Angeles. Los Angeles area. Where they have the uh they have this like underground wrestling th- vice did a documentary on it it's like it's like adult professional wrestling it's like the, the they're doing like the in, oh, the porn stuff maybe like that's in, that's kink that's up in uh san francisco that's like uh what do you call it um what are they called let me see if i can do the a quick little google search here see if i can find that surrenders the girl one. uh let's see here uh I'll do a quick little search. I'll 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 find it. Now now you're out there in LA. What do you think of this condom law thing they're trying to pass? This Prop 60. We were talking about that yesterday with. Basically, what it is is there's this guy named Michael Weinstein who is trying to get elected as a porn czar. And what they're going to do, essentially, let me see if I can pull this up here, because this is, this is quite, uh, this is quite interesting. Ba- basically, what they want to do is, um, let's see, here we go, we'll, we'll read a little bit here. Uh, pr- if passed, this ballot initiative will empower and incentivize any California resident to sue an adult worker when a condom is not visible in a film. That's the fucking stupidest thing. <laughs> And uh, it claims to be about worker safety, but it really is about creating a new private right of action. Under Prop 60, California will become the first state in the nation to allow and incentivize any resident to sue a worker for how they do their job, creating the potential for a lawsuit bonanza that will fill up the course and sidestep a government agency costing California millions. Uh, They also, when you, uh, in in this deal, if you sue somebody, they have to reveal their legal names and where they live. So this is going to open up for all sorts of pervs. They're just going to move. That going to move to a different state. I mean, most of it is done in Van Nuys anyway, and then the amateur stuff. Like, I mean, they're all talking about going to Vegas. Yeah, is, is, mean, is what's just, going on. It's, not, it's ridiculous. But like, if they want to do that, then they also need to. If they're going to show um, intercourse in a film. They also need to show the girl like getting an unwanted pregnancy and having to talk to the guy about it. And then they're going to have to have a talk about it, whether they should keep the baby or not. And she could take him to court for child support. Like, if they're going to do all of these stupid things, like, why are the people who are going to sue porn stars over a condom watching the porn in the first place? Like, I'm not trying to be, like gross or anything, but if I'm watching like a close-up shot of pornography, the last thing I want to see is a condom, because then all of a sudden I'm like, oh shit, consequences. Oh, this is awful. What if What if she has something? What if What if he gets her pregnant? What if, and then it's just like, well, okay, you well, become a responsible funny. porn watcher. Yeah, like, what the hell is that? It's well, fantasy. It's and one, fantasy. one of the other things that they want to do is, uh, they 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 want to open this up to basically let these let these people, uh, you know it, it be, you can get stalking out of this whole thing, guys, and you know yeah. who want to go perv out on these chicks now know Which where they, they live. Yeah, no, I mean all this. Why it's don't we like pass a law that says everyone could sue Jerry Brown for being a dick. 
<laughs> well, you can do that too. The the thing that I was the thing that I was uh, talking about earlier was hood slam. Have you heard of that? Heard about this hood slam? Um, apparently this this thing is in Southern California, I believe, is what they say. Uh, it basically it, it it's 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 in a a warehouse in West Oakland. And uh, I guess this guy wanted to do wrestling, but he wanted to do. He was tired of the WWE, you know, favoring the kids and all that stuff. So he got with this guy who had a basically just a not a little auditorium, and they put a ring in there and they set it up and they have boozing and drinking and. Guys are painted up, but people are getting hit, and it, it just it's it's crazy. And when you said Californian oh, wrestling, I'm thought, do you know that hood slam? I'm talking. I was talking about porn wrestling. See that I didn't know. Like, what's the deal with the porn wrestling? Like, I gotta I gotta get up on like, this porn uh, wrestling. The, then I think it started off as like a, a Greco-Roman porn thing, where it's like the Greco-Roman porn wrestle, and then the guy. How you find out if you win or lose is if you could like rape the dude or whatever, and so then they start. That's a hell of a deal. And like they have like strap-ons and stuff, and do a lot of fingering and space sitting. Hey, whatever, but whatever, whatever, what, whatever you got to do to get through the day. Audience, and they have like seasons of it and stuff. It's um, it's fucking. There's a, there's a group of guys in Colorado. They actually came through fairly recently to the comedy show at the Needle. They do comedy slash professional wrestling. What they do is they do pro wrestling, and they have comedians do the play by play. And <laughs> it's like this deal in Colorado somewhere. And then they have. Did you ever see the um, kaiju wrestling that was like out of New Jersey? Yes. Uh, Ka- kaiju. What is it? Kaiju big battle. Yeah. Kaiju <laughs> like, Big Battle. They have like the fake towns. Well, they have the little towns and they do oh the Oh my god, that was brilliant. They did uh, uh I uh one of my one of my best friends, uh Kenny Zombie Jones. We'll drop that reference. Boom. He uh Kenny Zombie Jones wanted to be a, he he was living living in Salina, Kansas. Actually, he was living with me in Salina, Kansas. He wanted to be a pro wrestler. And there was this other pro wrestling guy out of Wichita by the name of Lance Chafin, the Midwest Mangler, who was like real good buddies with Brian Nobbs and Hogan and all of them. He brought Nobbs in to do a seminar in Salina. And Zombie went to the seminar. Zombie's like a beanpole. He's like a bite-sized guy. He's really tall, but he, no, no shape to him. So he... He went to the seminar and, you know, kind of messed around. And then they were just basically kind of just beating him up. So he decided, ah, I want to do wrestling, but I don't want to do this crap. So he just started going to shows. And he'd take his gear. And he'd know people. And then he'd end up getting bookings. He'd, like, get in a battle royal. Or somebody wouldn't show up, they'd stick him in a tag match. Different things like that. Well, then it's all of a sudden he's traveling all over the country. He's meeting Tracy Smothers and beautiful Bobby and all these guys. (laughs) And so then he gets to be a pro wrestler. And he's a pro wrestler now. And and Zombie is uh we we if if 
zombie wrestles with uh, Pena's group. If we need to work on getting you to be a manager and have you, you do right that, now, because if I could get inside somewhere, the, the Dungeon of Doom's coming back, and it's going to be the <laughs> best thing that ever happened. It won't be that crappy. Weird kind of been like, what's wrong with his eyebrows? Dungeon of Doom. It's like it's going to be evil and amazing. Like my favorite. My favorite wrestlers are either guys who could sell like a motherfucker or whose gimmick is so effing amazing that, like, like Kamala used to scare the shit out of me when I was <laughs> Kamala. Papa Shango was, like, my favorite. Like he Papa made, Shango was awesome. He made Ultimate Warrior, like, ooze black. That like, yeah. scared me to death. Papa like, Shango was awesome. Oh. <sighs> So but like, but Kenny got got on a JCW show uh-huh. out at one of the Gathering of the Juggalos. And it was the year they had Kaiju Big Battle there. And he oh, said it, it was the craziest thing you've ever seen. Yeah. And all these Juggalos, they did it like 3 a.m. And all these Juggalos are all sitting there watching this. They don't really know what to do. <laughs> but Kenny said it was just amazing. There was that, uh, like the big villain was like Dr. Cube. <laughs> Just brilliant. Yeah, Kaiju Big Battle, and then uh, there's there's been some other Shakira Pro. Is Shakira, yeah. Oh my God, I I can't tell you how many people I know. This is another cousin Chris reference. Cousin Chris loves the, all the little indie companies. He loves Chikara. He loves ROH. He loves all these little indie companies. When WrestleMania was in Texas this last year, we had thought about doing a road trip to go to, to go, but. Chris didn't want to go to the WWE stuff. He was going to go to all the other little indie promotions over down there. He wanted to go to ROH and Chikara and all this. And I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> you go for access, you go for the Hall of Fame, you go to WrestleMania, you go home. <laughs> honestly, Maybe you go to ROH, but... If WWE could actually put together a thought-provoking storyline about anything, I would be so... I would watch four hours of bullshit to watch a 15-minute segment. I'll tell you, that, that whole thing with the with the three-hour show on Monday nights, I can't do it. I don't do it. <laughs> so can't do it. doing that, I don't even fucking watch. I read the recaps and watch the pay-per-views. That's all I fucking yeah. do. Because they're going to show me 90 fucking times everything that happened during the show anyway, and then try yeah. to sell me some shit, which I don't want. Yeah. But, um, good lord. I just I, I look at that roster and I'm like, you could do so much here, and they're they're starting to do some stuff. I'm glad that AJ is the champ and not being buried, because I had visions of him that. being buried. That, that's that's the funny thing. I'm upset about it. I'm the <laughs> I hate Dean Ambrose's champ. But I also hate the Universal Championship. I, I think the, the Universal title reminded... When they unveiled that, everyone's like, it looks like Eva Marie's belt. The first thing that I thought of when I seen that was the old school WCW TV title that Arn used to hold. The red belt. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, what's the TV the title doing the there? The belt doesn't bother me as much as... Like, the name is stupid. Well, it's just like, oh, we had the world title that was the most prestigious thing ever. Oh, but now it's not because it's on SmackDown and we have a bigger belt. So we're going to give it to Finn Balor because he's hurt so he can drop it. 
So he, we could say for future marketing that he was the first ever universal yeah. champ. That is the dumbest crap in the world. Uh, I'm I'm losing my mind. Right now. <laughs> AJ Styles is a amazing technician. Yes. I absolutely hate everything else he does. I, I it was the same way when he was in TNA. Like, <laughs> His, do you remember that awful, awful, awful uh, parent parenting story? Oh yeah. Like, I mean, this—it's one thing when the story's bad, but when they're delivering it, super. I didn't. Boring. I didn't like it when him and Flair were together and they had oh. fortune. You know, what? What? One of my, one of me and Chris's favorite promos that we, we that we talk about. All, we used to talk about all the time before, of course, he got married and. Got rid of all of his friends, but uh, that's a different story for a different day. Uh, <laughs> was Ric Flair's promo in the back of TNA where he's standing there and he doesn't real he doesn't realize how many dudes are in Fortune. And he's like, I got Fortune, the best five, six, seven, eight guys in the business. Well, that's, that's like, how every you don't even know, feels, dude. Like, and it's like <laughs> he didn't even know how many dudes are in his stable. It's fantastic. Learn? From every failed stable. Hey, everyone wants to be in the stable? Cool. For the next, like, nine months, we're going to put everyone in the stable. It'll be awesome. The Bullet Club's becoming the exact same way. Oh. The minute they put Captain New Japan in there, I'm like, well, that's it for the Bullet Club. Because <laughs> so when they put Jeff Jarrett in there, I thought, well, they have to put him in there because they're doing this Global Force thing. I get it. He's not going to be there long. And then all of a sudden they put some other guy in there, and I'm like, who's this guy? I mean, he was just some local worker to Japan. And then all of a sudden I read the last pay-per-view that New Japan Pro Wrestling did. All of a sudden, Captain New Japan is in the Bullet Club. <laughs> I'm like, Captain New Japan? I thought he was just some kind of idiot. Why is he in the Bullet Club? <laughs> AJ Styles, Carl Anderson, Kenny Omega, Captain New Japan. <laughs> And then that's the other thing, too, that really bums me out, because when um, Gallows was in, like, the Straight Edge Society, I loved him. I'm like, oh, man, they need to give that guy a push. Yep. And now it's like, I think he's such a freaking tool. Like, he just looks, he, he lumbers around like Nash with bad knees. <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's so sad, dude. It's so, just, ugh. So then, so then we have um, this whole thing in TNA. WWE is going to buy it. Billy Corgan's going to buy it. WWE, I don't know if they're going to have to buy it because they're just picking all their talent. I was shocked. They want the tape library. That's, That's really all yeah. they want. But what tripped me out when, when the first TNA guys started coming over? I was like, what the fuck? I didn't think they were. And it, and it used to be, it used to be in WWE, and this is something we used to talk about all the time. If if you were a T, if you went to TNA and you came to WWE, you had that stench of TNA on you. Yeah. Totally. Ron Killings, yeah. Christian, but now all of a sudden they come over there and they funnel them through NXT and it's fine. I'm not sure <laughs> well, oh, hey, Jay, we're just gonna put the belt on you in a couple months. Sit back and let your hair look awful. Like, when- I think AJ might. And I don't know. There, there there's been some rumors that AJ had a push written into his contract so he couldn't get buried. And I'm like, if that's the case, why didn't Anderson at Gallows do the same thing? I don't know what that, I, 
I just I don't know if they're trying to like appease TNA to try to like go see look we like TNA we're giving Samoa Joe and uh, AJ belts yay you know and then James Storm I'm gonna go back to TNA yeah they're gonna give me a better deal okay here's the deal like (laughs) I am one of the biggest Jeff Hardy fans in the world and when I saw how the, the thing that I hate about TNA it's like oh Daniel Bryan's got a beard he won the belt uh, Eric Young, you're getting a push. You know, and then oh, Seth Rollins has got kind of blondish hair. Matt Hardy, you're crazy. Let's bleach some of your hair. It's just like it's so like it just reeks of how fucking. The the one thing with the Hardys though is that they, I think what happened with TNA is that TNA went. You know, we don't really have any money to pay any of these guys. We'll just give them some ownership in the company and just do something. So they gave the Hardys some cameras and sent them to Cameron. And <laughs> they were like, okay. So they're sitting around doing this stuff. Rebby Sky is a video editor. So she edits all the videos together. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it's the biggest damn thing in professional wrestling. You got people doing this delete stuff at Raw. I'm like, okay. Dude, like that whole thing. Here's here's what I don't know why I do this, but whenever Matt Hardy beats Jeff Hardy, I feel like something bad happened. Like that's bullshit. That couldn't happen. And like I mean, back to like when they were both in WWE and they had that whole storyline about how Matt killed his dogs. Oh wait, no, he didn't kill his dogs. He just lit the house on fire. Oh wait, he didn't really do it. Whatever, you know. <laughs> and then he won that match. I'm like, that's fucking not. I don't like the I don't like the Jeff Hardy Matt Hardy stupid feuds all the time. Yeah. It's although, insane. although, I do like the fact that this this whole thing with with Jeff Hardy and Matt Hardy that they've done this whole delete obsolete you know stuff. Yeah. This is the the way this was put together, where you had Jeff broke his leg and they had lost the belt, and that's what caused all the problems with Matt Hardy, and then all of a sudden. Matt Hardy's crazy, and they're going to feud, and then they got back together, and they did all this stuff, and I'm like, they have done in TNA right now something the WWE with money, writers, and a network could never do. They got the Hardys over as bigger guys than they are, so they're big stars now. They, they did long-term booking. <laughs> they had they had the the injuring the leg storyline with the motorcycle all the way to them winning the belts last night. That took a year to get there. Long term booking, and then all of a sudden we got uh he got his kid over, so we're pushing young talent. <laughs> Kids won, so you can't get any younger than that. They put over Senior Benjamin. I think I think I think Senior Benjamin is her dad. <laughs> So that's the greatest thing. And the guy's got merch. He's selling merch on Pro Wrestling Tees. And then uh, people are talking about TNA. And I'm like, Dixie Carter, Bischoff, all of them couldn't do any of that shit. Are they talking good? Or does it not matter? I think it's just, I think it's the whole thing of the way I live my existence. Whether they're talking about me bad or good, they're talking about me. I don't know. I just, I just think it's great. The one, the one thing I have noticed though with this whole Maxwell Hardy stuff, 
That is the most relaxed little one-year-old I've ever seen. They've had him going through all sorts of stuff. I know little kids that 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 they can't walk straight a straight line without just going nuts. This kid's being around the decay guys, and <laughs> he is the most relaxed one year old I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> but uh, but a one year old probably can't handle TNA right. No way. If you put an average one-year-old in front of TNA, they would funny. they would be crying for hours. Max Hardy's sitting in his own little movie theater going, eh, Whatevs. whatever. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, Absolutely amazing. We've got Matt Wall with us today here in our broadcast. Boom, here I am. He has... Uh, he has exp- he has got to experience everything that we do on the Sunday radio show on a Monday. He's got to hear the open door policy with the random guy. We've had uh, an Elvis impersonator call in. The only thing we haven't had yet is a drunk black guy hawking his mixtape. That's coming though. Uh, <laughs> we we when me and Ross used to do this show in Salina, we would have these. These drug black guys call in and they'd hawk their mixtapes. And they'd be like, hey, dog. It's me, dog. I got the mixtapes coming out tomorrow. It's fire. And I'm like, who is this? You know who it is, dog. I'm like, I don't know who you are. I lived across the street from a prison, in, or from the jail in Salina. And they would release the prisoners on Sundays. And so they just walk right across the street. A lot of them were musicians. They walk across the street and do the radio show. I never had to book a guest. Oh, my God. <laughs> Me and Ross would come in. He'd set his laptop up. He'd have some mics going. And all of a sudden, we'd just wait. I'd come on the air at 2 o'clock, and boom, here they come. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's, That's a hell of a deal. Dude. That's nuts. So uh, besides professional wrestling... The Muscle Guys, Music, yeah. uh, Masters of the Universe. I'm going to have to check out that Cyborg thing. Yeah, for, yeah. The Cyborg to uh, Masters of the Universe. I'm going to check wanna, that out. Look, go on IMDb and look up Creep Creeperson. Or just Google search Creep Creeperson. Creep Creeperson. Like, oh, that's something else that happened. You know, I love it. It's good stuff. Now, uh, what else do you have... <laughs> Oh Jesus! There it is. Here comes the rapper, rapper with the mixtape on deck. I think this is Marshall, though. I think this is our Elvis tribute artist. What's up, Hello, sir? How are you doing? I am uh, finishing up with Matt Wall. What? 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 What are, are you here yet? Yeah, I've, I've been driving around that area. Now I'm at the, the BP station. You're at the BP station. CT. CT. Oh, Zip Trip. Hey, I'm right across the street from the Zip Trip. Come on across the street, and we'll, uh, I'll just have you come in, and we'll, uh, we'll have, well, I got Matt's gonna do one more song, and then we're gonna wrap things up here. Okay, we're gonna take a break, though. Uh, actually, I will, uh, it'll be the one at the back. I'm just gonna come outside here in just a second. Let me put some commercials on, and we will, uh, we'll get things going. I'll be right out. Right Hold back. on. We're gonna do this. <laughs> That's a hell of a deal. Brother. He's coming out, Jesus brother. Monsoon. <laughs> <laughs> Got a Pearl Harbor job coming up over here. He's, 
It is. This this is probably the greatest uh, show on record. We're going to take a break. And uh, when we come back, we've got more. We're back here on the world famous Cheeky Chick Show. Fantastic guest with us today here on the line. We're going to be talking about a great new book. Uh, but before we get into that, we're going to let our guests do their introduction. Tell us a little bit about yourself, my friend, and then we'll talk about the book. Sure. Um, so basically, my background is in film and media. Um, okay. I started, out, started out by acting in my dad's films when I was a young kid, and Wall Street and The Doors and JFK and Natural Born Killers, and then uh, basically moved into directing and producing and writing my own right. So I did a film called Greystone Park in 2012, and okay. it was on Conspiracy Theory that year, Conspiracy Theory with Jesse Ventura that season. Yes. And then I uh, shifted into doing some media so I did do I used to do an online show called Buzzsaw and that morphed into Wow uh, watching the Hawks which is on RT International Russia today the uh, yep. international news channel and so yeah I mean that's sort of a quick bio well that that is that is pretty cool that that gives you a lot of uh, a lot of background uh, to write this book because uh, we we've, we've had some authors on on the show before where they they do their introduction and they tell me a little bit about themselves and then we talk about the book and I'm like, you're not qualified to write anything about this. So <laughs> I'm I'm glad to hear that uh, that that you've got a you've got a cool background and we'll, and we'll talk about that throughout the show uh, today. But uh, I do want to focus at least the first part of the show here. On this great book, it's uh, New World Order. It's become the uh, cliched catch-all for conspiracy theories in this generation, only rivaled by the Illuminati to describe a nefarious plot to rule the world. Yet, when President George H.W. Bush and Harry Kissinger used the same term, it begs the question, what does the New World Order mean? And in Sean Stone's deeply referenced opus, the answer is obvious. Over the past few centuries since America uh, basically wrestled its freedom from the British Empire, elements both in England and on our home soil have plotted to correct this basic national independence. Now, first of all, tell us a little bit about the book. Um, how did you come to write it? Uh, tell us a little bit about some of the some of the research and stuff that you put into the book. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so basically, at Princeton, I had to do my senior thesis for my history degree. Um, yeah, I was tr I was basically trying to figure out a topic, and I came across this character of William Yandel Elliot, who was uh, basically a Henry Kissinger's mentor. Um, he also taught Big New Brzezinski, uh, Sam Huntington, uh, McGeorge Bundy, and just a whole slew of uh, world leaders. But you know, this guy was a very interesting character because most people outside of academia will never have heard of him, but even outside of Harvard, probably never heard of him. Um, but he was Professor Emeritus for 40 years of government and, and history, and he basically um, was a tremendous thinker, intellectual, but he also yeah. was, a net, was he basically connected a lot of big business interests like the Rockefellers, Rockefeller Foundation, with academia at Harvard, and then he also advised six presidents all through the, uh, basically the uh, FDR through Lyndon, Lyndon Johnson administration and Nixon as well. So, you know, he, the, here's this this sort of eminence, eminence grease, and he very much gave Kissinger entree 
to that world, and that's why. Um, so in terms of you know wanting to tell a story, I looked into him and who is this character of Elliot, and it's interesting because recently Niall Ferguson did a book on Kissinger, a history of uh, Kissinger, the idealist, about his early years, and he started diving into the Elliot figure, and he referenced my thesis at Princeton for a lot of his research into it because again no one really knew who Elliot was outside of certain certain circles. So I wanted to get into this issue of, okay, this guy is a Rhodes Scholar, and he very much is a figure in the Carol, Carol Quigley sense of what Quigley wrote about, if people know the book, A Tragedy and Hope. Quigley was a tremendous scholar at Georgetown who influenced uh, Clinton, and he was writing about this circle, you know, basically the, Mil the Milner group, he called it, but basically the British... Uh, the British intellectuals, politicals, politicos and intellectuals who very much were trying to recreate the British Empire in the early 20th century and trying to reincorporate America into the British fold as an empire. And this figure of Eliot very much uh, epitomizes what Quigley was trying to describe as far as the influence of the, that, that Anglo-American establishment. Oh, okay. Because I and this this was one thing, and I was really excited when we were going to get you on the show because we we've had a lot of different authors and a lot of different guests on, and we've talked back and forth about various things with with the NWO and some of the different things that that surround that. And I know a lot of folks tend to um, compare them to the Nazis. A lot of people have said that. You know, after we got rid of Hitler and everything, that, that there still was a little bit of an influence and, and possibly they've gotten people into power here in the United States. And a lot of people have said that the NWO is, is sort of like a, a Nazi influence. But you say it, it's more of a British Empire type influence. Absolutely, because the, the Nazis were basically a creation of these people. <laughs> yeah. That's the point. Ah, um, okay, yeah, okay. Yes. In fact, the, you know so, the nature so, of the book so is essentially, so, so essentially, when you when you look at this, <laughs> and you detail this all in your book very very expertly, essentially over the years, any time that there needs to be, because I, I, I've noticed this right now with, with with the situation with all these. All these ISIS and Middle Eastern, you know, things that are going on there as far as all these, you know, different armies. It's, it's basically on record that a lot of them basically were, were created by the fact that we went into Iraq, we went into um, Syria, we went into some of these places. We got rid of guys like Saddam Hussein who were keeping a lot of these guys down. They don't have anybody to keep them in line, so then they're running wild, and then we arm them, so we essentially, you know, we basically have created a lot of these guys. So you're saying that basically every once in a while, the NWO needs somebody to fight against, so it's kind of like a professional wrestling thing. They go out and they create someone to fight with. So they did that with the Nazis, they've done that now with ISIS. What are some of the other... Uh, entities over the years that you found through your research that they basically have went through and said, okay, well, we, we, we got to have somebody to fight against, so uh, those guys. Give those guys sure, some guns sure. and let's go for it. Right. Well, I mean, you take the case of the Middle East, and obviously the entire uh, borders 
of the entire borders of the region, every nation of that region, is essentially a concoction of the British Empire, British and French yeah. working together, yeah. mostly British and yeah. French. Um, because what happened was, you look at the British Empire at the end of the 20th century, and they're essentially, um, you know, they're the biggest land power in the world. They control a quarter of the planet, but they've just fought the Boer War, and while they've one, the same time they've kept South Africa, but at the same time they've essentially lost. It was like, it was just for them. It was a, it bled them like 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 Vietnam did us, and they realized we cannot maintain this empire through physical manpower. We don't have the manpower to do it. We need to co-opt locals. We need to establish the preeminence of British law and um, you know economic ideas in the world. We need to basically arrange as much as possible through international treaties and agreements, but we want to basically be the main power behind those agreements. We don't want to actually let other countries have a say. So you had their main rivals at the time, remember, was the Germans. The German the German Empire was yeah. tremendously strong, yeah. organized. They were vying with them on the seas for naval power. They were looking to move into uh, Middle East. They were building a railroad from Baghdad to sorry, from Berlin to Baghdad, and they were basically working yep. with the Ottomans who controlled, the Ottoman Empire controlled the Middle East. So the British started to work on this uh, sort of alliance system, right, moving the Russians into a position, even though the Russians were the biggest economic partners of the Germans, as far as the Germans had most imports and exports going to Russia, and, had, you know, yeah. there's a natural alliance because they're neighbors, essentially, that you would want, you know, they would want us, uh, they, they could control Eurasia. And so the British thinkers, like Alfred Mackinder, were saying we have to control the heartland because if not, the Russians who are in the center of Europe can basically run the continent without the British Navy and uh, shipping routes having any say. So we need to basically control the heartland, which is what? The Middle East, basically from the Nile to, um, you know, you'd say like basically about Pakistan. Uh, that region, Pakistan, Afghanistan, and then in the west it would be sort of uh, the Balkans. So this this is what they call the heartland region of the world, and it's saying this is the underbelly of Eurasia because between Russia, China, Germany, and Western Europe, you have all the grain, you have all the minerals, resources, you have all the population. You don't need the rest of the world if these guys got together, if China, Russia, and Germany allied, for example. So the whole strategy was always to look at the heartland and work to destabilize or fight. That's why the Russians Russians were always the British enemy all through the 19th century. You know, the British were working against them initially via the Ottomans and then uh, in the Great Game in Afghanistan. So you had this tremendous uh, fight going on. But then when the Germans started opposing the British rule, the, the, I'm sorry, the British had to then reshape, reshift their orientation, ally with the Russians, and essentially precipitate World War One. Now, to what degree it was more thrown up? It, it, there was a lot of there's a lot of gamesmanship that was going on. Ultimately, the Germans fell into the British trap, and they fall into this bloody war. Now, what happens during the World War One that really sets off the entire 20th century is that the Americans join the British, which actually makes no sense for American history. I mean, we talk about what, what is America as a, a republic that that well, and see, against and British see colonialism. This this is the thing that 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 you've been you've been explaining this experts with, with this, and I know that you talk about this in your book. Um, the the situation with with a lot of these 
you know, situations like that, like you were saying. It's, it's, it's strange to think that the United States would, would get away from the British and then go right back with them <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and do all this. Um, I didn't mean to catch you off there. I just thought that was that, 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 that's an excellent point. Go ahead and continue with what you were saying, yeah. Frank. No, absolutely. So that, that's that's the, the entire point that people miss in terms of understanding history is why does America ally with the British in the First World War? There's no natural. You can't say, well, because we speak the same language, sure, but there's this, the German population is pretty large in America. We've, you know, frankly, the British king is actually German by blood. Um, there's a, a lot of old relationships between Germany and England, uh, at, you know, at, as far as bloodlines are concerned, and then as far as America is concerned. Yeah, we have a lot of German influence here too. So, why do we ally with the British against the Germans? Um, that's where you get the influence of what is the origin of the New World Order concept. But basically, these this Anglo-American imperial system that's starting to work itself into play, and essentially it works itself into Woodrow Wilson's mentality and mindset to ally with the British and uh, you know again that was something that you know we get more into detail in the book but I think was conspiratorial because you have to look at the issue of um, the sinking of Lusitania which was which was basically a passenger liner that the the Germans uh, submarines sank but and everyone was was horrified because oh we killed they killed civilians but guess what there were there were guns <laughs> there were we were shipping guns and weapons to the British aboard this ship so it's basically we've already started arming the British, and as we know, the the, the J.P. Morgan faction of banking, which J.P. Morgan itself is actually originally a British bank, um, the partner Grenfell was in England, and J.P. Morgan was trained in England. Um, so essentially, you know, the British bank of J.P. Morgan is the one financing uh, the bonds, the British bonds to fight the war. So they have millions at stake, obviously, by us, you know, joining and making sure that we that the, the British win the war. But essentially, the, the First World War should never have come to any conclusion. It should have been a draw. Both, everyone should have gone back to their lines and moved forward, right? That would have been the natural, practical thing. Instead, the British, with the American support, end up winning the war. And they then collapsed the German Empire, they collapsed the Ottoman Empire, they collapsed the Austro-Hungarian, um, and the Russian, which is the most important aspect of the collapse of this uh, well, you could say Ottoman as well. The Ottoman and the Russian Empire are probably two of the two biggest collapses at the end of the world, the First World War, because now you have, and this again, there's a lot of you know a lot of indications that there was financial relationship of the major bankers who are backing the, the communists, especially people like the Warburgs, because they hated the Tsar of Russia because he was very much considered anti-Semitic. So a lot of the bankers had been backing the communists against the uh, the Tsar. And ultimately, you have this this coup in, in Russia, and the communists come into power, right? So-called communists. Now, what you need to then see for the next 20 years is a reorientation of the Anglo-American factions to decide what do we do as far as moving the Germans against the Russians. And it seems they ultimately fell upon the idea of Hitler. Hitler will basically is a fanatical enough and, and right-wing enough, he will basically move against the the Russians and bleed each other. The Russians and the Germans will bleed each other. That was the initial policy. And ultimately it gets messy and we get more into the detail of why it doesn't 
fundamentally work out. And it's not to say that the entire that the Anglo-American intelligentsia or the uh, you know how do you say it, this this new world order ideology does not yet come into full full function at that point because they're still trying to figure out what to do with Germany. At the end of the day, it's always you know from the British perspective, the Germans are consistently a threat, more so even than the Russians because the Germans are closer, right? They're right across the water, so the Germans have to be kept at bay. By the end of the Second World War, after, again, America has stepped in, essentially turned the tides, and the Russians have worked to turn the tide, now you have a new, how do you say, a new old orientation of the world, where just like in the old days, the Soviets are now the Russian Empire of the, of the 19th century, but now you still have the British Empire, and no one talks about that. No one talks about that the, the beginning of the Cold War, when America's going around saying the Russians and, you know, have taken over Eastern Europe and we've taken away their freedom and they're not, getting, they're not letting the Poles vote, that you have a quarter of the planet under British imperial rule still. And <laughs> these people are, have been consistently subjugated, oppressed, kept backwards, which is what FDR had talked about. And why he said we can't hate the Russians because the British are doing the same thing, right? And yet no one in America talks about that. Why? Because we've fallen into the trap of British imperial thinking. You see, we are the great power of the world. That's what the British felt, right? We're, the, we're intellectually more we're superior intellectually. Economically, we know how to run things. Uh, politically, we should be in charge. And we'll give people gradually the, basically the, 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 the presumption of freedoms through a certain democratic, democratic system. But ultimately... The idea is that you train the leaders and you co-opt them through the major institutions like the IMF and the World Bank financially, right, through the training as a Rhodes Scholar or, you know, as part of a, a Rockefeller Foundation kind of operation. And that's the, the essential game of the, of the New World Order as it starts to come into place, is this notion of really um, blocks of power that are ultimately uh, based, predicated in... The center, the center of power really being in London, D.C., and New York. But in the meantime, you have to gradually destroy nation states. That's really what the heart of the New World Order is. You talk about what's happening now with Iraq and Syria and the redrawing of borders. Guess what? That's what New World Order policy is. You can read it in H.G. Wells' book about the open conspiracy and the New World Order. He wrote two of them, actually. And he, said, he essentially said, look, we have to put people into a technocratic type of operation where you basically uh, you get rid of the nation state and the national ethos and the issue of the constitutions, right? But you get into the much broader uh, control structure, superstructures of international agreements and laws that bind you. And then you just, you just watch that grow, right, through the last 50 years, whether it's the GATT or the new, you know, TPP and TIPP and the various trade agreements and NAFTAs, right? what they ultimately try to do, which is to strip away any notion of national controls on tariffs, national controls on legal structures, the ability for people to actually have a voice in their own politics. We've got a uh, great guest with us today. Now, um, kind of kind of explain how uh, the, the whole thing, you were mentioning TPP and all that, explain all that and how that relates to your book. Well, again, it's, it's, it's part of the fundamental intellectual trajectory of what these people are trying to create. Because if they're trying to say fundamentally we do not want 
the system of nation states that's existed since Westphalia, the Treaty of Westphalia, right, in the 17th century. That began the whole notion of states having sovereignty over their borders, over their, you know, over their own people, and whatever they want to choose, whether it's religious orientation, whether it's, um, how do you say, political orientation, you know, you basically don't tamper within a state's sovereignty because that's where the, the, 30, the 30 Years' War had led, essentially, was it came out of the 30 Years' War between Protestants and Catholics. I mean, we see what's happening in the Middle East. You have to understand this has happened all through the Catholic and all through the Christian world. It's happened in every country, right? You have different, different religious orientations trying to assert themselves over a principality or a kingdom. You know, this, this is just history. So you don't get shocked when you see you know, Sunnis vying with Shia for influence in the Middle East, but that what happened in the old times was they said, okay, look, let's every principality have their own, you know, choice of religion, and we're not, you know, we're going to respect the sovereignty of a nation over its people. The New World Order agenda is saying we don't believe in sovereignty of, of a nation because everyone should ultimately abide by what we consider to be the best thing for human rights, for intellectual rights, property rights, um, and then again, so there's there's certain aspects that we say, sure, like we want to we want to see the best human rights, and we want to see uh, people having democratic voice and, and participation. But again, it's it's not just it's not simply for benevolent purposes. You see things like TPP, where it's saying, look, we're we're going to get rid of any notion of uh, tariffs, for example, between board between between countries, so that countries can try to protect certain economies, right, certain manufacturing bases, things that America was built on with tariffs. Our country would not have survived if we hadn't had tariffs to protect our manufacturing from British goods. The British had dumped their goods onto the American people. So now you have a system that's basically saying we're going to get rid of the tariffs completely. We're going to basically allow for more uh, intellectual property rights and controls over countries so that, so that smaller countries can't develop and, uh, you know, create, let's say, their own uh, pharmaceuticals or drugs that might help their people at a cheaper price than what the big company corporations are selling them. The TPP is even giving more corporate actual ability for corporations to sue governments to say, look, your, your, your laws are inhibiting our ability to sell things. So that, so that you know, I would say that the, um, the intellectual orientation of the New Order is more about consumerism and consumption. Basically saying whatever the corporation okay. thinks is most profitable, that's what matters. And you can't have like, laws that are predicated on morality or tradition to block ah. the, uh, say, the approaching. Uh, yeah, if you want to shut it, go ahead. Legal control. Well, what happened to our. We've got a guy. I don't. I, he was just driving around over there. I'm like, what are you doing? Well, let, 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 let me kind of explain to you this whole situation with Elvis. This 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 guy. There there's. It's it's a weird it's a weird existence that I have. Uh, we are back here on the world famous Jiggy Jaguar Radio Program. Uh, coast to coast, border to border on TuneIn, iTunes Radio, loyalty you stream as well. We are broadcasting on the app today, and uh, we are going to put uh, all of our video and audio up on our website at JiggyJaguar.com as soon as we go off the air. And uh, interesting uh, deal, Elvis. Uh, our, 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 our buddy Marshall, uh, the Elvis impersonator, 
is uh, driving around the neighborhood. Um, let's see. Across from the Zip Trip, 209 East Avenue A. It's, we'll do that. Tell them to look for a I Hate Matt Wall sticker in the parking lot. Uh, look for a I Hate <laughs> Matt Wall sticker in the parking lot. Uh, boom. boom. There you go. Marshall. Marshall Elvis, to, as I have him in my Google Voice. I was supposed to work with this company in Georgia managing the boogeyman. But they couldn't get him to do it for some reason. They didn't get the boogeyman. There was a there was a buddy of mine actually well, he's not really a buddy of mine anymore. But um he well <laughs> he uh he lived in. Uh, he lived ironically in this apartment. He lived in the spare bedroom back there, which is now the green screen room. And uh, he was trying to do a fitness fitness uh, chick show where he was gonna. He was basically doing it as a way to bang fitness chicks, but he was profiling fitness women. And one of the women that he talked to and was gonna have on the show, her personal trainer in Colorado was. The Boogeyman. <laughs> it was a hell of a deal. <laughs> because he came out here one day and he's like, you know who the Boogeyman is? Fuck yeah, I, I said, yeah, I know who the Boogeyman is. I said, he's a pro wrestler. And he goes, well, this chick that's going to be on the show, She's a, her personal trainer is him. And I'm like, Let's go. <laughs> I go to Colorado meet the fucking boogeyman. He was going to do um he was going to be booked in a place here in Kansas called uh Great Bend at one point for a uh for a wrestling show. And that never never materialized, but uh that would have been fun. I thought they were going to They're going to bring him back. I'm like, did you guys hear? Boogie Man's coming back? I saw him in a promo. Well, it was like a swerved thing, but it was awesome. And then he never came back. It's, uh... The the, the Boogie Man was... You know, from from all the different things that I'd heard from various folks, he had a really good gimmick, but the guy couldn't work. (laughs) So, it wasn't like... Well, yeah, and these boys with Booker T down in Texas, and yeah, this is like a fucking weird sideshow freak show guy. Yeah, he's not like a wrestling guy. Yeah. Oh, I don't care if you can wrestle. It's kind of like back in the day, Tom Tiny Lester, who was Zeus. (laughs) You know, I love love that character. There's Marshall. There's our Elvis, I think. Come on in, Elvis. We're here. Or is it a rapper with a mixtape? It's Elvis. How does that happen? Well, the... 
So, so you're, you're you're right. The 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 guys who can't work, it is it is absolutely amazing. It's ridiculous. The the, the guys who who they can't they can't the work. Guys who can work don't. Oh, they get a microphone in their face and they go. <laughs> there was there was a deal. And and I didn't know about this till I realized he he was going to have hip surgery. But they brought Sabu in fairly recently to like Dodge City to uh, to do a show, and it was booked between Sabu and the guy who runs the company. The guy's name's Flex Reed, and the guy hasn't worked a match in two years. And I'm like, how are you going to do Sabu and him when Flex has never worked a match? Is he just going to let Sabu beat the shit out? I was like, how's this going to work? Well, Zombie, who I was telling you about earlier, he was brought in as the referee. So, <laughs> hey, none of these people want to work for Flex, because Flex, there's weird things that happen. So, so none of these people want to work for Flex, so what they did is they brought in uh, Kenny to referee in his gear. He didn't even have a referee shirt, he just had his gimmick on. And they had brought in Flex, and they had, on one side it was Flex Reed, his manager, and another guy from the company... Versus Sabu, his manager, and some other guy from the company. Flex never got in the ring. The two guys that were in the company wrestled, and at the end of the match, they put Flex Reed's manager, who's not a wrestler, through a table. End of the match. I'm like, <laughs> it's a genius. I'm like, how does this work? I'm like, how does that work? needs to come back and I swear like so many low card guys in professional wrestling yes they would have something to do they would have something to do that's like there's this group of guys we were talking about a lot of the wrestling companies in Kansas earlier there's a group in Salina and I've had heat with these guys forever because I call them out on their BS but uh, they're called XWE controversial Uh, (laughs) right here that's right (laughs) they're called XWE and it's made up of a bunch of guys that that are basically cosplaying as professional wrestlers none of them know how to work but the thing about them is that they sell merch they're everywhere you have an AIDS walk they're there in their gimmicks you have a a pool party boom they're there in their gimmicks and and they've got the kids so all the kids are like I gotta get pictures of the pro wrestlers that's all <laughs> That's all you got to do. Pat Penny, people, <laughs> let me just tell you. I was going to start a pro wrestling organization that never showed wrestling. All it was going to be was backstage interviews after the matches. That would be awesome. And then I wouldn't have to pay for a ring. I wouldn't have to like worry about insurance of any kind. And essentially how you shoot this is you have your table with your two play-by-play guys. And then at the end, at the you you just they're like, let's go to the back. We've got blah blah blahs on the scene with here with AJ Styles. That's right. And so they go back, yeah. and then they're like, well, Johnny, let's go back to ringside. And then they're like, well, that was a great interview. AJ Styles later tonight going to be facing. Yeah. Let's go backstage. And then you go, blah blah blah. Is caught up with James the, Storm. What you missed during the break. Was this guy had an annual prolapse because he got put through a damn chair? It's not breakable. So we need to take him to the hospital or else he would be here to talk to you about it. That's right. But it was disgusting. And we've got to take a break in the action here at ringside. We're going to go backstage. We've got blah, blah, blah standing by with our own blah, blah, blah. Yeah, we got the green girl in the shower. 
That's right. Make sure it's clean. It it I would be perfect. It's an entire wrestling organization of backstage segments. Yeah. They go backstage, they throw to ringside. They throw to ringside, they go backstage. Oh, yes. Yes. But there are so many that their head is so far up their butts, dude. That it's like, you have done absolutely dick. Why do you have this attitude? That's right. You haven't done anything. Like, nobody knows who you are. I don't know why I'm getting so angry right now. <laughs> well, these these XWE guys in Salina, they they uh, they recently had Zombie start working for them. And so Zombie started doing some stuff. Well, then Zombie at one point told him, he said, here's the deal, guys. you got to slow down. you got to tell a story. And they're like, ah, we just want to get our shit in. And he's like, that's how that works. you got to hook fuckers to bring them back to the next <laughs> And they want to do, well, what they want to do is they want to come to the ring, they want to have the ring introductions, they want to fly off the top ropes, go through the ropes, do some stuff, and then have the match. And it's like, you can't do that. It's like going to a concert and having you come out, well, I, I should say that because I went and seen Loverboy, but uh, uh, <laughs> uh, I was getting ready to say, it's like having a concert and you come out and you play your two hits and you leave. Loverboy played the Kansas State Fair Four years ago, and the year before, they had Huey Lewis. And Huey Lewis, all 90 minutes, he is going. 90 minutes. He's doing all the hits. He's doing new stuff. Huey Lewis, 90 minutes. My friend in Minnesota saw (laughs) Loverboy. The next year, Loverboy. And I'm sitting there with my mom, and she she writes reviews for the, the local paper here and everything. So she was sitting there, and she's like, ha, 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 what are they going to do? They're two hits and leave. So they come out, <laughs> they did, working for a weekend, turn me loose, guitar solo, drum solo, bass solo, leave. <laughs> I'm like, okay! <laughs> so, you know, it could happen. You could do your two hits and leave. Well, that's what Hulk did for his whole career. I remember seeing Clint Black up in uh, Salina, Kansas, at the Stiefel Theater. He did a, he did a Christmas show. And he had been sick a couple weeks before, and it was his last date, and he couldn't get out of it. They were going to make him do it. So he comes out at the beginning of the show, and he goes, here's the deal. This is my last gig before the end of the year. I want to go home and see my kids. So we're going to hurry through this, and I'm leaving. He did a 30-minute show. At the end of the show, he was on the bus and around the corner before the patrons got outside. Because my mom went to that show, and she said they let everybody out the door. And as we were coming out of the front of the steeple, here's the bus driving around the corner. He walks off Kenny Rogers did that one time at a show. I was like, what the fuck is happening? Where's the fucking Buck? Where's Buck? Kenny Rogers did a show with... Uh, Chicken sandwich. <laughs> Two. Did a show with Billy uh, Billy Dean. Okay. Kenny comes out, sits at this bench, does a couple songs. Billy Dean comes out and sings. In the middle of the show, Kenny Rogers got up and left the stage. Billy Dean kept playing, and everybody's like, "Where is Kenny going?" What the fuck and it's then at the end of it, Billy's like, "Good night, everybody," and left. No mention of Kenny. No mention of nothing. And it's like. Where did Kenny Rogers go? It's, it's, <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. From a, like a thousand people. It's pretty awesome. Um, Arlo Guthrie. 
<laughs> oh my god! Arlo Guthrie did a show in Salina, Kansas. And they had been promoting it the whole time. Alice's Restaurant. He's going to play Alice's Restaurant. Come here, Alice's Restaurant. At the show, he gets ready to do his... He did his show, did the whole thing. He gets up to go off stage. And they're getting ready to do the encore. And he goes off stage. And we had our seats to where we could see him going off stage. And he goes over by the executive director, Jane Gates, who's the chick that runs the theater. And she's like... And he's like... She's like, two more songs, you gotta go. And he's like, nope. Finally, she must have said something, and he went ahead and went, okay, fine. Went out, sat down at the piano, and he's like, what do you guys want to hear? And everybody's like, Alice's Restaurant, Alice's Restaurant. And he stops, and he looks at the crowd, and he goes, let me tell you something. That's like Groundhog Day for me. I do that song once every ten years. You want to hear that fucking song? Go get a CD. And I'm like, and people got up and all pissed and left, and I'm like, what are you doing? They should get mad, because, like, like, I can't remember, I think it was Alice Cooper who said it. He's like, do you think I like doing Schools Out in 18 every damn show I've ever played? No, but I do it because that is why I have fans, and that's That's what I want to hear. So it's like, like, no matter how fucking tired of a song you are, tough shit, like, that's what you have to swallow. (laughs) That song made you fucking a lot of money and made you fans. You better do you it. You have to feed that song to your fans. Jesus Christ, that's ridiculous. We had, uh, let's see, who was it? He's up there. Uh, Gary Morris. Hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blow it up. Alice's Restaurant's totally overrated. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> the Yelp reviews, the whole thing. Well, that's like there's a buddy of mine here in town, Bob Colliday's big uh, ukulele guy. And he... Yeah, does does ukuleles, a whole nine yards. He went to that show with Arlo, and he wanted to get his, his ukulele signed. And he got backstage and whatever, and he was like, hey, can you sign this, blah, blah, blah. And Arlo's like, I don't really have time. He's like, just write on he goes, just write whatever the hell you want on there, and I'll sign it. Oh, I'm and so he went ahead and just signed it, and then he left enough room for Bob to write whatever. There was there was a uh, I interviewed a uh, the, the, there's he used to do a show out of uh, uh, Branson Joseph Hall, okay. he's an Elvis tribute artist. Now Joseph Hall, <laughs> I love Joseph to death, but Joseph is more about getting himself over than getting over his Elvis. Because when you come into the building, he, all over the place, Elvis, 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 Elvis. Then at the end of the show, they're selling Joseph Hall bobbleheads, Joseph Hall t-shirts, Joseph Hall this, Joseph Hall that. So, it's a, it's a bait and switch at the end. Essentially. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. I, I applaud that. <laughs> and the first time we interviewed him, I asked him different questions about Elvis. And one of the questions I asked was, you know, what's your, what's your set list? And he goes, a lot of my stuff. He goes, I have the fans dictate to me. Because he goes, they remember Elvis. They show up to an Elvis show. They want to hear these certain songs. And he goes, "There's, I guess there's been Elvis tribute artists like out in Missouri that he's worked with or seen where people show up and they're like, I want to hear, you know, whatever. And he's like, I'm not singing that Elvis song tonight. And it's like, I got news for you. Dude, I dude, paid to see fucking Elvis. I'm gonna, I'm I want to hear the Jailhouse Rock. The You're going to play it. Right now. I'm going to tell you what a fucking showman does. <laughs> 
Buck motherfucking Owens, Buck Owens. True fucking story. He's like, okay, everybody. And, oh, my God, he fucking barely walked out. Like, oh, because he was old as shit. He's like, write down whatever song you want. I don't care who it's by. On a cocktail napkin, the waitress is coming to pick him up. Me and the band are going to go through him, and we're going to play a show for you guys tonight. Everyone's like, oh, okay, cool. They played a bunch of Buck Owens shit. He played the Beatles. He played a fucking corn song. It was amazing. Of course, of course, there was somebody in town that wanted to hear corn. No, yeah, in Bakersfield, of course. <laughs> of course. The fact that that dude, dude, and it could have been a whole fake thing. Like, they're like, okay, we need to learn a corn song and a Beatles song. Let's get to it. And we'll, like, just put a corn napkin in there. Like, whatever the deal was, it was, it was art. It was a performance piece. It was brilliant and every single person left there happy and that's the thing oh, i seen uh oh who was it the 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 guy who uh what the hell was his name he was the he, he was he was the outlaw country guy for years Wait. no it wasn't whaling it oh, was Hank Jr. uh Billy. no not shooter no, no, not Shooter. I met Shooter. He's a good guy. Uh, God, I used to... The, um, God, I can't think of his name now. The, 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 the story, though, was that he played Salina, Kansas at a place called the Blue Goat. <laughs> it's now an old garage where they park cars. And uh, <laughs> he rolled into town. And they had sold tickets, they'd done all this stuff. He rolled into town, got on stage, made everybody wait 45 minutes, got on stage, did two songs, they were covers of somebody else's songs, and left. And on the way out the door, he stole one of the carpets in the back of the Blue Goat, jumped on his bus, and they left. (laughs) And I'm like, really? (laughs) I wish to God... And, it's awesome that you remember the story, but not the <laughs> And what's funny is they did... The, David Allen Coe. Oh, I can see <laughs> David <laughs> Allen Coe. And they did it, and they did it... They, the radio station had worked out a deal with the promoters that were going to do dinner with David. And what had happened is a couple weeks before, George Thorogood had played the Stiefel Theater. And he wanted... Uh, they had provided different food for him. And he was like, I... Do you have somebody who could do some home cooking? And they were like, uh, uh, <laughs> no. And then the sales manager for the radio station I was working for at the time was like, yeah, our morning guy. He has a barbecue service. He does. He, he, he's on a barbecue competition team. I'll call him up. He'll come down and cook for George Thorogood. So he comes down. Well, we turned it into this big deal where he was down at the Stiefel and he was hanging out with George Thorogood and we were doing updates all morning and him getting the food ready. It was this whole thing. And at the end of the deal, here comes George Thorogood. Loves the shit out of it. He loves the shit out of food, loves the shit out of Salina. Loved it. So the next week, or a couple months later, we're going to bring down David Allen Coe to town. So they had this, everybody wanted to go down and eat with George Thorogood because George Thorogood raved about Ken's food. 
So all these listeners are like, we gotta, we gotta go eat with Ken. You know, we want to do this. So they did this deal where they're gonna do dinner with David, where you could win like so many That's passes. It's <laughs> so many passes and all that stuff. So they did this. Well, David Alaco showed up, sat in his bus. Well, a couple of the contest winners were kind of belligerent. <laughs> so they had gotten drunk at the bar, and they wanted their alcohol paid for. <laughs> and the bar was like, no, we're paying for your food, but we're not paying for your alcohol. Well, they were sitting there during this, this deal, and David's band came in and ate with everybody and you know had a good time. These two guys at one point were fucking pissed, so one of them stands up. And he's mad as hell, and he hits the table, and he goes, I want a contest for dinner with David. I didn't get it. I want a contest for dinner with David and everything. And Brother Ken stands up. He's cooked all day. He's put up with all these contest winners, all this crap. He stands up, and he goes, is there a David here? And his bass player was like, yeah, my name's David. And he goes, right there, dinner with David. Now shut the hell up and eat. That's <laughs> Greatest thing. <laughs> you just ate, like, you know, like 20 feet from David Allen Co.'s bus. Yeah. So, good for you. So, <laughs> you kind of shared oxygen. So, suck it. Suck it. Suck it. Suck it. That's fine. Now, uh, Matt Wall is going to be part of a big show tonight at the Rusty Needle here so, in Hutchinson. It's so big it needs two Gs. Oh. Am I building it up too much? Am I putting no, you over no. too much? Boogeyman is going to open. <laughs> Boogeyman is going to open. He's going to wrestle uh, Blue Goat. <laughs> He's going to wrestle Blue awesome. Goat from Salina. Oh, and uh, so we are we are going to do this. We've got one. We're going to do a uh, Facebook Live too with this last song. Oh. I'm going to uh, check in. I don't know why I'm checking in, but I'm checking in. Okay, and My favorite was the uh, was the whole gimmick with the uh, Foursquare. I love the shit out of Foursquare, and then that went away. So. Oh, hey, since we're going to go live on Facebook, can all my Facebook friends quit posting political stuff? If people don't know who they're going to vote for by now, they're probably not going to vote. So just shut the fuck up. I'm tired of hearing about it. Is that okay? Can I say <laughs> you that? Know, you say what you want. Fucking hell. Man. They're going to vote for Gary Johnson, Jill Stein, Trump, or Hillary. Good, then that helps Trump. No. <laughs> good, that helps Hillary, you know. Good, that whoever you're cheering for, good, that helps them. <laughs> so, uh, Mr. Matt, what, what, what do you have for us? I'm going to play um, the song I normally close with, since I'm closing. Okay. So, if you guys could think about the last person that really It's a sing-along. Off, Fun little deal. Fun little ditty.
You've got Elvis slash Neil Diamond over there, speechless. I'll just do it by myself, I guess. <laughs> you motherfucker, lit my fuse. Tear out your hands. You motherfucker, turn me out. Found you a snap out. You wanna fuck with me? You wanna fuck with me? Slash your throat. That's a hell of a deal. Sounds like a Memphis drop down. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, tonight you're going to be part of a uh, big show out there big at show. the old Rusty Needle. Rusty Needle, 8.30, boom in your mouth, T-Girls. <laughs> T-Girls? It's got to T-Girls at the end of most things. People are like, oh, I should go. <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of it's kind of like a, uh, a a Seinfeld episode. We've got to have the uh, everything's got to wrap around. Yeah. Everything's got to wrap back around. Oh yeah, you got to bring it back to square one, man, and that's how we did that. So, boom, T girl. <laughs> it's it's gonna be a hell of a deal. And uh, thanks to you, thanks to uh, joining us on our app, ChickyCheckWire dot com, and uh, also. I hate mattwall.com. Boom. And on Twitter and on Instagram and on Facebook and on Bandcamp and you could get um, unreleased recordings that only you could get. That didn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't make a lot of sense. Figure it out. It's, it's fun. And uh, if you guys come to the thing and said you heard this, I'll give you something for free. And it Look at that. HIV. <laughs> okay. Because I have to wear a condom so he doesn't sue me. <laughs> <laughs>
That's right. Because it's the, you got to bring it all back. Prop 60. No on 60, baby. <laughs> oh, and by the way, I, I, I found that article to the, uh, to the Hood Slam Wrestling. I sent that to you on Facebook. Okay, so. Did you look up Ultimate Surrender and Naked Combat with a K? <laughs> Let me do that Just real go to quick. Just everybody, and look up their weird porn wrestling. They have porn it's wrestling. Violent. It's much more violent than you would think it is. Ultimate Surrender? Yeah, so if you want to see a dude get piped... Porn wrestling. Let's do that. Ultimate surrender porn wrestling. There's ultimate surrender porn videos on Pornhub. They have divas. They have divas. They have like tag matches and everything. Well, here it is. Ultimate surrender tag match on nextvideos.com. Boom. Uporn's ultimate surrender channel. Not that this show is sponsored by Uporn or any of its subsidiaries. I would love... That <laughs> I would love a you. I actually check. You know, just get an affiliate marketing thing with Uporn, and they probably make more money than Alberto Del Rio does <laughs> in the Indies. <laughs> um, we we did a deal uh, when we went to Vegas for the Porn Awards last er, in January. Um, As a stunt cock, <laughs> <laughs> newcomer of the year. <laughs> newcomer of the year. Look at that. <laughs> Our Elvis Neil Diamond artist jumping in there. Boom. He's right in there. Look at that. Now, uh, now we did. We were went over to the U porn uh, booth or the Pornhub booth because you know they were giving out college, whatever it was. What was it they were giving in college? I think so. Some sort of deal. And it was a weird deal. And uh, we were watching their camera guy, and he was filming all sorts of different things. And he had this huge apparatus in his phone. And and I'm like, the hell is that? And my girlfriend, Brittany's like, I can build that. So she went home and she built this stick that we take everywhere with us. We can do Periscope, Ustream, YouTube. We can do all the all the different video things at once. And it's a it's a monopod. On one camera? On on several cameras. Okay. On like a phone and a couple tablets, and then she built a home edition over there in the corner, <laughs> so we can do the home edition. So uh, it, it's a hell of a deal. I'm looking at this ultimate surrender here, ultimate surrender dot com competitive porn during a radio competitive female sexual wrestling yeah. with a uh, and I love the way that this is all put together. UltimateSurrender.com, competitive female sexual wrestling, with an exclamation point. Uh, <laughs> naked cat fighting where the winner gets to fuck the loser with a huge strap on any way she wants. Yeah. That, that is... In front of a live audience. Have you been to one of these? No. San Francisco, home of Michael Savage, the conservative radio guy. I'm a big Savage fan. I know that most people aren't fans of radio people. But you said Savage, and I just automatically thought Randy. a 14-year-old Stephanie McMahon. Uh, <laughs> it all comes back. It all comes back, back around. Well, uh, that is that. Is that <laughs> Check out I Hate, MattWall.com. Boom. 
You won't hate Matt Wall because he's amazing. But you can. <laughs> but you can if you want. Why would you? Why would you? Why wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> well, before I let you go, uh, sing, play us out. I don't know what it means to play us out, says Bill O'Reilly. A guy who's been in television for 15 years doesn't know the term to play us out. Have you seen the video of him freaking out? Yeah. <laughs> well, they're like, they're like, we're going to do a sting video. What? We're gonna, it's going to play us out. What? I don't know what it means to play us out. I'm like, you don't know what that means. I had never done any television at all, and I knew what that meant way back in the day when they're like, well, we're going to have blah, 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 play us out. Oh, they're going to play us as we leave. I don't think people are supposed to tell Bill O'Reilly things. They're supposed to tell Or maybe he's jobbing somewhere. Jobbing, yeah. <laughs> he's jobbing for some wrestlers who so don't know how to wrestle. <laughs> That's right. In Salina, Kansas. <laughs> okay, well, what do you have for us as we leave, my friend? Well, I was just playing something. Oh, you gonna, I thought you were going to play something as we... Um, yeah, this is one of the Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.